When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Okay, it is our final day from the NFL Combine. Matthew Collar and Sage Rosenfels inside the Indiana Convention Center. And Sage, uh, I'll be sad to leave because it's been a really fun week talking to Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer and lots of news starting to trickle out and everything else. Um, But it's funny because we're leaving and yet a lot of the fun is starting for the players as they're going to start getting into all the events and everything else. The quarterbacks are going to get on the field, and you are going to be in attendance to see the quarterbacks actually throwing, which yes, is awesome. I was going to say, you are leaving. I've got I, yes, another, another right. day here in wonderful Indianapolis. Uh, I get to see the quarterbacks throw tonight. Uh, I'm not sure if everybody's throwing yet. I probably should do a little research today. I do know Chase Young, the defensive end from uh, Ohio State, has decided not to work out. I think when you're one of those top three or four picks, that's pretty much a guarantee. What's the point? Right. Uh, the Joe Burrow not throwing. Joe Burrow's not throwing yet. Yeah, not a surprise. He probably hit a great tweet yesterday of basically pretty much like, you know, I might as well just quit playing football because I've got nine in chance. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so, so I'm really looking forward to throw uh to watching these guys throw tonight the tight ends the quarterbacks uh wide receivers are all going tonight everything's in prime time now it's a different format this year obviously the nfl trying to make every single dollar possible off of this event that really is just like a light workout basically uh for these players and so uh yeah looking forward to that and and also to getting the heck out of indianapolis uh tomorrow on friday uh it's, it's amazing how many media people that i've talked to this week who are leaving today most of them are actually leaving before the workouts i even know some coaches i was talking to a couple of coaches last night who are also leaving today mm. because all these combine workouts of course they're on tv but they're also actually just taped they have just people down on the field taping these guys and so you know what's the point of staying up in the stands uh in the in lucas oil stadium you know 70 yards from these guys with binoculars like bill belichick or you can just go into your office tomorrow and watch it all on film or whatever so i think a lot of people are looking forward to get out of here even before the actual workouts begin yeah um so i'm gonna basically you know go home and then turn it on and see some of the quarterbacks throw and that's what i wanted to start the show with today's age is is it worth 
Vikings fans paying attention to the quarterback class because when I asked Mike Zimmer about it yesterday whether he would be okay with a rookie being his backup quarterback the answer was well if the guy can go in and win then I'm okay with him being my backup quarterback and he believed in Sean Mannion that he could do that win half the games if he needed him to I know Zimmer said win three out of three yeah it does Mike Zimmer thinks the backup quarterback should win all the football games games. well it did kind of happen with Case Keenum almost all the games when he had to go in Uh, but you know, I, I guess I came away from Spielman and Zimmer feeling like the percentage chance that they don't sign Kirk Cousins to a contract extension is pretty low. Yes. So put another way, I think they will sign him to a contract extension. That might happen soon. That might take a while. But it sounds to me just the feeling that I'm getting from what they said is that that's the most likely scenario is that he's going to be their quarterback. I, but I think that Vikings fans want to get excited about the potential for something different and want to watch the quarterbacks throw tonight on NFL Network and, and look for potential diamonds in the rough or guys that could be you know a second or third round draft pick that they develop through the next year. I think the whole thing with quarterbacks is you know like if you don't have Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson, it's like well everyone's like looking to sort of upgrade almost at right. this point. You right. know, I mean I know Matt Lafleur was talking about Aaron Rodgers yesterday. Like you know Aaron Rodgers is our guy. He's, he's a quarterback you know blah 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 but like i think everyone's a little bit looking forward either to the future or just to upgrade and i i even know for a fact san francisco they really like jimmy garoppolo but if somehow they can upgrade that position they're going to upgrade that position and that's just the way it goes i think for vikings fans obviously cousins is going to be the quarterback next year he might be the quarterback uh after that but if you want, to, if you're really into football and you really love NFL and, and you're really into the Vikings, to watch these guys throw tonight, uh, I, I think you, you might as well because even if it's not this draft, it could be you know three or four years from now, and to know some of their not not just their actual throwing abilities and their their running and all those things, but you know some of the backstory, but that like you know Rich Eisen uh, and is it Daniel Jeremiah sort of give you when these guys are going out there. So yeah, I think with the quarterback since it's such a unique position to sort of even if the Vikings aren't going to draft a guy high, you know, you never know. In four or five years, one of these first-round guys could be on the Vikings roster because they leave the team that actually does end up drafting them. Yeah, you never know how it's going to play out. I, I guess I was just thinking that... It is a great conversation to have about these quarterbacks after they throw and getting the rankings where everyone thinks that they sort of fall into place right after Joe Burrow and Tua because it's sort of up in the air with someone like Herbert or even Jalen Hurts. I want to know where people think he stands after the combine stuff. But if the feeling is that they're going to sign Cousins, that sort of takes away from the excitement a little bit. At least for the first rounders. But, you know, there's there's some of these teams that'll draft like a third round quarterback, even though they have a, a starter they really, really like because either he'll be a good backup for a long time uh, or it's one of those situations like Philly did for years. They draft a guy in the mid to late rounds and they end up trading him for a second round pick, get some right. value for him when they play well because they know they have an offense that the quarterback just will, you know, play well. And people are always looking for quarterbacks. And so, um, you know, I don't know what the Vikings would do. My guess is they do end up drafting somebody, but probably in the sixth or seventh round or even as just an undrafted free agent. So here's my question. Let's say that they met with Kirk Cousins' representatives here at the Combine, which we know that they did, and the general feeling between both sides is, yeah, we're going to get something done and we're going to sign an extension, but we're a little far apart on this or that, the guaranteed money or the years or whatever it might be. 
would it be a good idea in the third round, if Jalen Hurts is still there, to still draft him? Because at worst case, he's just your backup for a few years, and maybe potentially you could yeah. trade him. And best case is that you know maybe talk, talks fall apart, and you need another option, somebody to go to. It's almost a little bit of it's almost a little bit of leverage. And what Spielman said the other day is, you know, there is a process here, and contract extension stuff doesn't happen right now. This is combine, uh, free agency draft, and then contract extension Which stuff. I don't believe him on Cousins, because they need to create that's a, space. That's a unique situation, yeah. for sure. But, you know, there there's, might be a little bit of leverage there when you have a guy who could be sort of a guy waiting in the wings. And we've also seen, you go back to, like, the Washington uh, Redskins of 2010, they go, got, they, out, they go out and get RG3, and then they draft Cousins in the fourth round. So it's like, yeah, we got our starter, but we'd like to have a guy that we know would be a good backup, that maybe has some potential to maybe someday be a starter if the things work out right and work out pretty well for Washington in that situation. And I just look at it as, you know, last year they drafted a running back in the third round, and Alexander Madison looks like a good player, but if you were telling me that there's a third-round quarterback that they like in this draft, or somebody surprisingly drops, or there's a situation like Russell Wilson where it's someone who's short but has really great talent, or whatever it might be, you're drafting that, in my mind, a thousand times out of a thousand because of the value of the position. Because you do want someone who can fill in if Kirk Cousins gets hurt. Cousins gets sacked a lot, and he has been very fortunate to be healthy his entire career. But at some point, just anyone will get hurt. You got hurt holding on a kick on a field goal, right? And I then did. trying to tackle a guy. I, well, try- Did you make the tackle? I made the tackle. Oh, you made yeah. the tackle. So, so I was just trying. It was guy. actually a successful attempt on the fact that I broke my scaphoid bone in my, in my right uh, wrist. So it didn't work out completely well for myself. No, how good was the tackle? Like, what would you give your PFF grade for the tackle? Oh, I, you know, I, I have to look back. It was at the New York Jets, uh, sort of like Thanksgiving time. And, I tried to uh, find this game, and I couldn't. By I the way. dove at the guy's knees, and he went. It was, a, I think, it was a pretty solid tackle. Yeah. It was one of those guys where the, the, I think, the guy didn't see me. It was like a white flash running down the middle of the field. Uh, the, the coolest part was it was a hold. It was a low snap. I got it down, but when it was a sixty-yard field goal right before half, and the ball goes up and it's spinning like crazy. Now, if you've ever been a holder, when the ball spins a lot. Lot, they don't go as far, right? right? So yeah. I knew immediately, sixty yarder in New York, Thanksgiving, like this is not going to get to the you know to the back of the end zone. So right after the ball is kicked, it's still up in the air. I immediately took off and started sprinting. All the blockers were still like sort of standing there, offensive linemen, defensive linemen. So I just sort of like ran through all of them, and I was like, I was like the first guy down, uh, and ended up making a an okay tackle. But uh, ended football my IQ, se- high football IQ on your part. Ended my season in uh, in two thousand and six. So the point being. You never know what random thing can hurt your quarterback, yeah. and it could you, could be a practice at the end of training camp. That's basically a walkthrough, and your starter goes down. Well, how about that's right, or how about Tom Brady hitting his hand on a teammate's helmet before the Super Bowl or a playoff game or whatever it was? Um, so you never do know, and you have to have a good backup quarterback if you're going to stay in the race, as we've talked about many times. I think the Vikings like Sean Mannion. I yeah, think everything I agree. you hear about people like they like him as as a guy who can come in and maybe win half of those games. They also like him as sort of that, that veteran presence and, and the way he supports the starter. A lot of things they like about him, but they also know he is not a guy that could possibly be a starter right. I mean, for this football team. I mean, he's a great guy to have on the roster, great guy to have in that room, great guy that they need him to play. But if you're looking for a guy that like could be a 16-game starter, 
he's not him. Exactly, and that's why I think that it makes sense on just multiple levels. First of all, if you draft a quarterback in the second or third round, I would say third is the place to target it, because first and second you expect to fill needs. Whether it's a need for 2021 at tackle or it's a need right away at safety in the first round, you expect that that player is going to be a big-time player for you, so you're probably not drafting a quarterback there unless you're sure that Kirk Cousins is going to leave. And we know for a fact the Vikings have some serious needs. Like There's going to be yes. some starter spots here. I don't know what the you know the number you're thinking is, but I'm thinking three to five spots. Like they're going to have to have whether it's through free agency or the draft for new players to be there to start for this football team. Well, yes, let, let's let's have fun with that in a second. Um, but just to wrap up the point on the quarterback, it's worth watching if you're a Vikings fan. Who is getting buzz? And your guy, Anthony Gordon, uh, the PFF people that I've talked to really like some of his data that points to the potential for him to be either a backup or maybe even a starter if things really play out well for him. It's amazing. He's a thinner guy, right? He's, he's not like 220 or he anything weighed, like that. He's 6'2". He weighed 205, and I'm going to say 205 soaking wet. Yeah, I, okay. I think he may have had a few extra glasses of water before the weigh-in. So I ran into this number last night that Anthony Harris, who's about to make 13 to $15 million a year, when he came out at the Combine, weighed 183 pounds. He's 220 now. Yeah. So you never know who's going to develop and put muscle on. Tom Brady was a horrendous athlete at the Combine and then improved a lot in terms of his athleticism, I, I think, especially strength. I don't think Mike Leach cared all that much about the quarterbacks like in the squat rack and doing the bench yeah, press yeah, and things. Probably it right. was more of like uh, go out and throw a lot. And, and uh, So, yeah, that, I mean, whoever Anthony ends up, uh, I think, you know, and, and he I've – talked to him regularly just talked to him yesterday i mean he's been working his tail off in the weight room i think it's almost a new experience for him and mm-hmm. and i i'm hoping he gets up to 210 215 at some point so there's a lot of reason though because someone like that can grow and learn nfl defenses and things like that it's a hard to project exactly but there's some things that point to this guy might be good in the third round, I say that's where you take someone like that. Yeah. And if Jalen Hurts drops to there, I really like a lot about Jalen Hurts, his character. You and I have talked about this before, but somebody who can deal with what he deal, dealt with at Alabama and then be second in the Heisman, I, I really like that about him, that he never made any noise. He was not problematic. He wasn't out in the media or anything else like that. He seems to be a driven and humble person with also – um, a, a lot of toughness, too. I, I was seeing some tweets that people were uh, screen-gramming of him running over linebackers and yeah. things like that. Like He doesn't play with fear, and he has a pocket presence that I like, but I think there's going to be questions about him. So if he's the guy that it, that drops, even if you believe fully you're going to sign Cousins to an extension, it's still worth it because of just the sheer value of that position. One thing that was evident to me over the course of the last you know three days Obviously, being you know the Radio Row area, but also being out to dinner or, or going out for some drinks with uh, and, and running to people that I would talk to, a lot of quarterbacks, coaches. What blows me away is the sort of the lack of, of football education mm-hmm. that these quarterbacks have leaving college football. Yeah. You know, after being in college for between three and five years, you know they've done these interviews all these nights, the last couple nights. Uh, it just it's it's time and time again I hear from these NFL quarterbacks coaches of how little some of the quarterbacks you know know about the uh, you know the strategy of football, the X's and O's of football, uh, protections and those types of things, and some. 
know a decent amount. I mean, yeah. some are like, you know, this guy can come in probably fairly early and, and make things happen. Other guys, it's like we're going to have to redshirt him, and we only have four-year contracts. That hurts your value a lot. So, yeah, the Vikings definitely are not going to take somebody early. I could not imagine that. That would be uh, shocking. But, you know, third, fourth, fifth round, there's an area in there where, you know, maybe a guy has some sort of first, second-round type of talent, but there's a few question marks, or, or maybe they're in a, in a weird offense that didn't that sort of maximize their weaknesses and minimize their strengths. And then those types of spots, or or they're a short guy, they're five eleven, and they don't they say they don't they don't check all those boxes, and you can find some real value in like the fourth or fifth round, and they could somehow end up being a starter later on. So here's what I want you to do now: I want you to project percentage chances that the following places are filled through the draft. So not free agency, not bringing back your guy. We know they have a need at safety. They have a very big need, potentially a cornerback. Um, but they could keep Xavier Rhodes and stun us all and decide to restructure his contract. They have potentially two open spots on the defensive line. And we know from what Mike Zimmer told us, a spot on the offensive line. So let, let's go through those and, and how we think they're going to fill them. Because I was thinking about this last night with the safety position. And I put it as number one for my most likely for them to draft, and I really like that idea. But when Zimmer was talking about anybody being able to play next to Harrison Smith, I thought maybe I, maybe I was too high on that idea because there's the two guys who are really good who could go late in the first round. Maybe you get a star there or a successor to Harrison Smith. But if they're thinking right away, that could also be like a Trey Boston where you just go get a guy off free agency for $3 million. Well, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking that second free agency or that second safety position, maybe more of an inexpensive free agent to maybe a guy that was been a backup somewhere else you think has some some upside or a guy that was maybe at the wrong position somewhere else or just something that's not really expensive because it's really hard to pay two safeties. I think we talked about yesterday, there's only a couple teams that spend more than $20 million at the safety position. Yep. Obviously, the Vikings are, are pretty loaded with Harrison Smith, uh, so I can definitely see them going somebody that's very, very capable, maybe not a great player, but a capable player at that you know two to $5 million mark. So what about the uh, cornerbacks? I mean, we know it was pretty clear from talking with Spielman and Zimmer that neither one of them feel like it's super easy to just plug and play a guy at the cornerback position. Now, there have been good corners who have stepped Stepped in right away and played. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore a couple of years ago stepped in and was one of the best corners in the NFL. But in general, it's pretty hard to do. That's another spot that I was looking at much more for free agency for them to fill a starter spot and then potentially draft someone in the second round, third round, fourth round at the cornerback spot. Well, what's interesting to me, and of course the Dom Capers being added with all these ideas that Zimmer is going to have all these ideas and, and things like that, it seemed like to me at the end of this last season, the Vikings were playing a little bit less man to man, and they were playing a little bit more zone. And yeah. so maybe that's a transition that they're looking to is you know trying to find guys that are a little bit more zone players, and, and which is definitely easier to find than those great man to man corners. You think so? Why is that? I think just the ability, you know, to be a man-to-man guy for the most part, you got to be really, really fast. And there's only really so many fast guys. It's right. hard to be, uh, you know, like an Antoine Winfield. He was not fast. I mean, he was not a fast corner, but he could tackle, get great vision, uh, and uh, and he understood offensive and defensive concepts. And so that is more about education and less about you know these crazy com- combine numbers that everybody loves. Right. Yeah. And instincts and smarts. Mike Zimmer talked a lot about smarts, which I wrote about at scorenorth.com. You can see it there about how a lot of times they're going to value that much more than what somebody does when it comes to the 40 or the broad jump or whatever else. Um, So, all right, defensive line. 
I, I'm thinking more in the draft for your three technique, and I think Everson Griffin comes back. But what do they do if Everson Griffin doesn't come back? That's a good question because, you know, it's not like, yeah, we'll just find somebody in free agency. Well, if you do, if they're any good, they're going to be super, super expensive. So you might as well just pay Everson uh, at, that, right. at that spot, right? So um, I don't know. I don't know they're going to find try to find a diamond in the rough. I will say Rick Spielman over the years has found, like, sort of diamonds in the rough in the draft with defensive ends. And sometimes with defensive tackles, you can find guys who have, a, like, a certain amount of talent, but they might have a checkered history. They might have some, you know, different issues, maybe a junior college guy or something. And you can get some late value with a guy that has a lot of physical talent, but mentally – uh, you know, or, or has other issues that might be off the field. So my top three yesterday was safety first and then tackle, and then I don't remember. Maybe I had three technique. I think I want to change that to move tackle to number one and maybe even defensive line to number two. Offensive tackle? down number three. Offensive tackle. If they could find an offensive tackle that they love in the first round, I think you take it. I think that if you know that's such an important position, and obviously we talked about there's, you know, Kirk Cousins is so vital to this football team as, as far as, like, basically if Kirk Cousins plays well, the Vikings generally win. All right? If he doesn't play well, the Vikings lose. And a lot of times when he doesn't play well, it's because he's getting some sort of pressure from a you know, defensive end or something. So if they can find a good tackle, and again, I really do believe Rick Dennison in this style of offense, mm-hmm. it's very conducive to have a young guy playing early. There's some offenses that's really, really tough for a, a tackle to start right off the bat. But I do think, and I've seen, I guess I've seen it before, Dwayne Brown with the Houston Texans drafted him, played right away, and he's had one heck of a career. Uh, if they can find a tackle that they really, really love in the first round, I think they go with that because that could be a franchise staple for the next 10 or 12 years. So I've got some other things to get to in our next segment, some notes, some things that I heard, and uh, you were present for one of them. Um, But was there anything else that sat with you after we talked with Zimmer yesterday and you were there grilling Zimmer on, uh, you know, players at the Combine and how they um, deal with players who don't know the game as well yet and things like that. But I just came away really not having a great feeling on the Trey Wayans thing. I think someone will overpay Trey Wayans because corners always get overpaid and you're just going to lose him. But Zimmer was, on Harris, it was clear he thought, we're not going to get him back. But on Wayans, it was, well, you know, you like to see guys develop to get to this point and we'd like to have him back and that sort of thing. So I wasn't really sure. I mean, can you really lose both starting outside corners and still even expect to be a good defense? I think they're gonna. I think gonna have two new corners next year. Uh, I think they don't want that, but I think just based off of economics, uh, I think that Wayne's would be somewhere else. Uh, and Rhodes, I mean, I'm trying to think of you know, even if he restructures deal and took a huge pay cut down to like two or three million dollars, I mean, he scored so low. Uh, on you know some whether it's PFF or whoever I mean you know there, of course everything is a little bit arbitrary with who's you know uh, who's who's rating these guys but still if you're like 125 out of 132 corners you're not playing uh, you know high quality starter football so even if they could get him for a much cheaper price I don't know if they should want Xavier Rhodes back again unless they change that defense up more and play more zone coverage because he was playing really well last year at the end of the year when they were playing a little bit more cover two. And he was doing great in the running game. I mean, he became like a safety, making a lot of tackles on the edge last year. And that became more of a strength than the actual coverage stuff. So, But in my opinion, I can see them having two new starting corners next year, whether they really like what Holton Hill's been doing in his progression and he ends up being one of those guys, 
or they try to find somebody else in free agency for a cheaper amount. Uh, again, maybe it's a guy that was in you know some sort of zone team, uh, but actually is more of a man-to-man guy because the coaching staff changed or something like that. Uh, but in my opinion, I think the Vikings will have two new starting corners next year. Give me a prediction right now, and then we'll reassess where this prediction stands when we play football in September and October. Um, First two picks are going to be safety and tackle. Okay. That, that's my I prediction. Agree. I don't I know. In either order, probably based off of who's available, but I, th- I see free safety and tackle as the first, left tackle as the first two picks. I think we're on the same page with that. I was going to make you predict where the Vikings end up ranking as a defense. And we'll, we'll reassess this pick as we go through the so offseason. We're, go, we're going to go so after gonna, the free agency, after, after the draft. We'll just keep going back to this. Where would you project right now they end up finishing in defense? So like 11 months from now, what is the defense rank at the end of the yes. 2020 yep. season? Um, I bet you they end up in around the 10th to 12th mark. I think just structurally, and they still have a lot of really good players in that defense, they'll be a good defense. They're not going to be a bad defense, but I, I do not see them being elite because they have a couple spots there. Again, that pass rush uh, spot, Everson Griffin, uh, the, the interior defensive line, again, and that free state, and of course the corner position. Those are positions that are very, really, really valuable, and right now the Vikings have a lot of questions at those positions. So after free agency or during free agency, when they make moves, I'll ask you that again. And then after the draft, I'll ask you that again. And we'll see if it changes. Like how we have Courtney pick the schedule when it first comes out and then pick it again and then pick it again after you know training camp and, and then throughout even the season, pick the rest. And sometimes it changes and sometimes it doesn't. You and I are kind of on the same page there. I just can't see a Zimmer defense with this much talent remaining falling off the side of a cliff. But it's very hard to see it being elite again, which puts a lot of pressure on that offensive side and would be a good reason to stock the offensive line as much as they can. Well, I also just know this. Like Zimmer going back to when he was a defensive coordinator for Cincinnati, when like they didn't pay anybody and they weren't great at drafting players because right. they didn't spend any money in the scouting department uh, because just it's Cincinnati it's and Cincinnati. they're just cheap and the owners is more about making money than actually winning games. Yet their defenses were still consistently in the top 10. So it's one of those deals where it doesn't really matter who necessarily is out there. Uh, you know, we, we, We're so into players and the talent and who they have and personnel, but sometimes just the way certain defenses are and the way their coaches are, they are just consistently always in the top 10 or, or top half of the league. And I almost think that no matter who Mike Zimmer has out there, his defenses will almost always be in the top half of the NFL. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, I have a game for you. I have more prospects for you uh, to decide which guy is which based on things that I pull out of their NFL.com draft profile. So we'll do that when we return. Jeremiah Searles is going to come up in about a half an hour. I caught up with him uh, earlier today, so you'll be able to hear that. And, uh, yeah, uh, our last day broadcasting here from the NFL Combine. We'll be right back. Also, Tom Brady rumors. Talk about those here on Purple Daily when we return. Hey there, it's Phil Mackey for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, and Federated is here to give business owners out there peace of mind. You pour your life and energy into a business, and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense, and that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over a century of experience in standing behind business owners. If you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more about your local Federated marketing representative. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. 
Score North Download Time. Jonathan here with this hour's download. You can join myself, Dan Terhar, Callum Williams, and Kendra D. St. Aubin this Sunday night for Score North's coverage of Minnesota United and the Portland Timbers in the MLS season opener. Pre-game at 6 p.m. Kickoff at 6.30 p.m. right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. Matsy Caller out at the NFL Combine for one more day. We'll get back to him in just a moment. But first, Tom Brady rumors he mentioned. Well, Jeff Darlington of ESPN was on Get Up this morning. He's pretty connected with the Patriots and the NFL up there in the Northeast. And he said this about his surprise level of surprise if Tom Brady wasn't a Patriot going into next season. There are people very close to Tom Brady who are being told by Tom Brady, it's not going to happen. Like, I'm going somewhere else. Like, that's the way that we're operating here within those circles. And yet even those people don't necessarily believe that Tom, at the end of the day, won't go into Bill Belichick's office and Belichick won't sit there and say to him, Tom, we need you back. We have to have you back. And that Tom Brady will return to the Patriots. We need to wrap our minds around the fact that it is far more likely than not that Tom Brady will not be back with the Patriots. I am now at the point where I would be stunned if Tom Brady returns to the Patriots. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily and the NFL Combine. All right, welcome back to the NFL Combine. Matthew Collar, former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels here, and uh, we've got a lot to get to, Sage. We should have made some sort of bigger deal of what we're hearing at the Combine because we've just been hanging out and talking to people and gathering a lot of reckless speculation, I think, around here. What's the most reckless speculation that you can come up with that you've heard? Well, the best information that I have seemed to acquired uh, over the last few days have, has all occurred like after eleven thirty at night. As is the way that it works here. It's amazing how much coaches are willing to basically express themselves about not just other players from other teams, but obviously players from their own teams, and even like what they w- wish would happen or wish wish their GM would do and who would they would sign. Um, you know, some things I heard last night uh, from Sa- some San Diego people uh, who have some important to the team. Los I'd Angeles like to think. People. I'm sorry, San Diego, Los Angeles Chargers uh, people, is how much they would absolutely love with this new stadium being built. Uh, they would love to have Tom Brady on their football team. Um, and that I was deep in a discussion last night uh, with somebody from NFL Network and somebody within that Chargers organization that they think, you know, with this new stadium, you got to have that big splash. Uh, you know, is Ryan Tannehill a big splash or a Marcus Mariota or, you know, somebody like that? Or, like, you know, who, who are they going to get as be their starting quarterback? No bigger name than Tom Brady, who also, as we all know, has spent a lot of time in Los Angeles. I think he's got a second house in Brentwood or something like that, uh, he and Giselle. So that would be a landing spot. I also heard that Tom is sort of so sick of the whole New England thing that he doesn't even really care where he goes as far as them being a Super Bowl contender. Like he just wants to go somebody else where he can sort of start over. He's been preparing for this situation to be a, a free agent finally. He's sick and tired of uh, being vastly underpaid uh, and taking all those pay cuts so, for the Patriots to make those runs, and then they don't go out and get the players that he wishes they would get. So it really does seem like to me more and more, and I know Jeff Darlington of ESPN this morning uh, announced that you know Tom really is like trying to get out of New England, but it really does seem to me uh, that there are some teams that are, are really, really want him. The Raiders spoke with somebody from the Raiders, and they're even sort of saying it just doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, I think they'd like to have him in some ways, but everybody. The real question is when Tom goes somewhere else, 
you know he's going to run Tom Brady's offense. Oh, of it's course, like yeah. When Peyton Manning went to Denver, that Denver offense uh, like like disappeared. It, it was it was it was the De- it would turn into the Colts offense. I mean, it was all to blame. It was all those types of things when he threw those fifty five touchdown passes. That was not the Colts or the, the the Broncos offense before Peyton showed up. It literally was like, what do you want us to do? So here's the problem with that, though. Let's just take the Oakland Raiders. People really think the Oakland Raiders is one of these possible teams. You know, they need a guy. They, you know, they might move on from Derek Carr, and, and they might offer him, you know, two years, sixty million. Well, John Gruden has his offense. We know of any coach in the NFL that you know thinks this is the offense, is this the way you want to run? Well, if Tom Brady shows up. They're going to run an entirely new offense because it's going to be all surrounded by what Brady wants to do and, and having him be comfortable. So you're going to have all these young, all these players on the team learn this new offense for maybe a year, maybe two, right? And then when Tom leaves, let's all go back to the John Gruden offense. Like, and is that all really worth it? And so that's where actually the Oakland Raiders doesn't make sense. So that's very interesting. I mean, your sources uh, that you talk to. Matching up with what the reporting has been. Uh, Several reporters this morning tweeted out things like, the buzz around here is that Tom Brady could very much be playing somewhere else next year. Los Angeles makes way too much sense. I mean, you're talking about the great weather, the new stadium, a team that's good. I mean, Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen are good players there. They could draft more weapons. They could draft offensive line. Great, to try great and weather. Out. I think Tom's second player in the uh, the AFC East, which other than Miami's got you know probably the worst weather right. in all the National Football League. Yeah, no question. Um, and so if you're talking about a situation where he could go for a Super Bowl potentially, it's a very tough division. But I don't think that that concerns Tom too much. Um, and he was actually good last year. His receivers were really poor. The offensive line for the Patriots started to fall apart. They're in a place where if he leaves, they almost need to rebuild because they don't have a lot of great weapons that they can plug somebody into. They do have a great defense, but you would almost be putting, if it was Teddy Bridgewater, into like a 2015 Vikings situation where just manage the game and the defense will have to win it. Well, I don't think Tom Brady wants another year of that. If there's one reason for him to be frustrated and sick of last season, you saw him, I remember the Texans game specifically, he was trying to signal to a receiver to go downfield after he had broke the pocket, and the receiver just stood there and he threw it 20 yards past him. It was like, okay, uh, rookie receiver, I'm going to need you to figure that one out. And you could see the level of frustration building with him. So I wouldn't be surprised at all. It makes a lot of sense as a perfect fit. Uh, is there another team that you think would make sense yes. aside from Los Angeles? So of all the conversations I had the last couple of days, uh, you know, the, the sort of, I think, overriding uh, uh, leader in the clubhouse of where Tom would go if he doesn't uh, go back to New England, the Tennessee Titans. Interesting, uh, because, because one, they are a you know sort of championship quality type of team there in the yeah. AFC Championship game last year, but probably more than anything, Mike Vrabel, the head coach. Obviously, him and Tom have a long history together. Played for probably over a dozen years together up in New England. Won those won those original Super Bowls, and uh, and you know you can very much very much see Mike Vrabel, who also they're looking for a quarterback too, so that makes sense. So you have a championship type of team looking for a quarterback. Tom's good friends with Vrabel. There are just so many things that just sort of align there. And to me, that's like the leader in the clubhouse as to where he would end up if it's not back in New England. And I think Tennessee is a very good team.
team and, and the setup that they had for Ryan Tannehill, and, and it would have to go back to a Brady type of offense, but they were running a lot of the play-action stuff for Tannehill, and it really helped him. It was the first time that he had a good setup with a running game, an offensive line that's excellent. I'm sure Brady would appreciate having a good offensive line again, and A.J. Brown is maybe the most underappreciated receiver in the league because no, no one talked about their receivers. It was all about Derrick Henry. It was all about... Um, you know, uh, Ryan Tannehill and how he reemerged as a good starting quarterback and, in the and league. their defense and, and their, their defense, defense and just terrific. in general, by the way, for somebody who played in, in the AFC South with, with the Houston Texans, that division just sort of hides under the radar. It just doesn't have those you know big city teams. There's no Chicago, New York, L.A. You know those types of things, and so that division just in general doesn't get a lot of hype. And that's why we always see the uh, the lovely Jacksonville, Tennessee oh. Thursday night game. Yes, that's right with color rush. Yes. Added in more Everyone's favorite game of the year. Desperately want to watch that. And yet we all will anyway, but we'll complain about it. Uh, that would be the one thing I wonder with Brady. Like, would he only look at it as, hey, that team could help me win? Or would he say, I mean, going to L.A., you know? I mean, there's something pretty cool about that, and there is the, the weather element. Not that it's bad weather in Tennessee, but to be the guy who goes there for the new stadium to essentially build a fan base on his back. Because yeah. right now, I can confirm from having been in Los Angeles last year, they don't have one at all. It was 90% Minnesota Vikings fans in that little soccer stadium. They need something like that desperately, I think. They need about as big a splash as you can get. So whether it's Tom uh, or trying to get you know somebody in this draft that people will just sort of fall in love with. But you know I just don't think they can go into the 2020 season in this new what is it two billion dollar stadium or something like that with tyrod taylor as their quarterback so uh you know going back to tennessee i think they're they're looking for two quarterbacks i think they're looking for tom and i think they're looking to re-sign ryan Tannehill. and of course ryan Tannehill, they'll both probably probably be about the same price uh you know i'm I'm guessing Tannehill is going to want 25 million or more dollars a year but probably on like a three to four or five year contract where tom's going to be probably more of like a two-year deal yeah yeah no that's right and uh brady could kind of do a breeze thing where He's going to pick the best spot for him, not necessarily the money, because he should be okay in terms of money, I think. Tom Brady. Yeah. Possibly. Supposedly his wife is worth, will be worth over a billion dollars, or she'll, be, she'll make a billion dollars in her modeling career over the course of her lifetime. I think Forbes came out with that a couple of years ago. Uh, imagine if they broke up and she had to pay him. <laughs> Like that, right? Like, uh, sorry, you're just you. You are the breadwinner of the house. There will be lawyers. There would be lawyers. Yes, there would. Um, So, uh, some other things that I've just been hearing, talking to people, is about the Chicago Bears situation and uh, what they're going to do at quarterback. And last night, I talked to someone who told me that Matt Nagy has pretty much seen all he's needed to see with Mitch Trubisky. And statistically speaking, if you get into your third year and you're not good, it's pretty unlikely you'll ever be good. And even Ryan Tannehill showed the flashes where he could be a top 15 quarterback, but it just wasn't sustained. And I think just need to be on the right team. Right. Trubisky has not shown that. Even in his best year, he was still bad. He was still inaccurate. He still struggled with the same things. He ran a little better, and their defense was a little better. But last year wasn't sort of some weird outlier for him. I think it was kind of close to who he is. You could try to paint over that to some extent, but not completely. So if Matt Nagy is done, then there could be some friction there with Ryan Pace because he drafted Trubisky, and you want to see the guy you drafted succeed and we know teams love to hang on to these guys longer than they should 
Well, a couple things I heard about Chicago is one, they really do plan on running more bootlegs and, and, and moving the pocket next year, which, like, thank God they actually came to that conclusion because they got a quarterback who should be constantly rolling out of the pocket. So the, there has been some confirmation that they're actually willing to change some of that Matt Nagy offense and not just be in shotgun all the time and, and you know, try to have a little bit more of a running game uh, uh, with David Montgomery. Uh, but number two, I think the overriding uh, sort of conclusion, again, of, like, a lot of media people and, and some of the just the coaches around the NFL that aren't at the Chicago Bears is, People see Derek Carr going to Chicago and that class like, like, okay, we've got the young guy who's a starter, but he needs us to have somebody else come in and compete. And maybe this guy could end up being, you know, sort of the long-term answer, you know, in Chicago. And again, even with those two quarterbacks together, and of course, Carr probably making somewhere like $25 million a year, uh, that, you know, the, 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 but together, uh, you know, they don't have a huge cap number because Trubisky's still under his rookie contract. So here's another thing that, we heard you and I yesterday talking to someone on the special team side, which is that the NFL is quite interested in the XFL kickoff. Now, this may not be a top headline like Tom Brady it is, but for him, but for me, I like it, you know, because yeah. the first thing that stuck out to me, the very first play in the XFL was this kickoff looks like it's pretty cool. Yep. It makes sure that the guy actually has to catch it, and it's going to be a play, and we're not just going to watch someone kick it out of the back of the end zone and then waste five minutes of everybody's time. So I like that about it. I like the creativity that we've already started to see with an end-around type of play in the XFL that went for a touchdown, and it seems that it has the NFL's attention. Well, yeah, we, we, we spoke with a special teams coach yesterday, an NFL special teams coach, and you know he liked some of what that, that you know, sort of kickoff represents, and what's interesting about it is, you know, NFL special teams coaches they do drills where it actually is just like this, where uh, it's so, so the guys don't have to run down forty yards time and time again on practice and exhaust themselves before they even get to the you know regular offense and defense you know portion of the practice, and so they'll have this sort of like okay, everyone's run down you know forty yards, throw the ball up, uh, and Heather once the returner gets it, then everybody sort of go and fill their gaps and be in their spots and. You know, yada, yada, yada. So, uh, yeah, but that special teams coach wasn't sort of intrigued about, you know, what exactly are those rules? He wasn't really up to date on what are the exact rules in the NXL, XFL. Like, can you double team guys? Can you kick out guys? Can you, you know, can you trap people? Or do you sort of have to go sort of mano a mano and sort of man to man with those returns? So he was sort of unsure exactly what those rules might be. But, you know, it's, it has been a competitive play. Uh, but he didn't like the fact that he, he was concerned that, you know, in, in situations uh, where, like like a Cordell Patterson, where you have a, a great returner, he thinks that's an important aspect of the football game. Of course, again, we're talking about special team, uh, talking to a special teams coach, right. so Some he's going to he's going to want. Uh, you know, he would hate to have a uh, you know a, a one of his plays sort of taken out. You know, of the NFL, uh, an NFL game, and so yeah, it's an interesting thing here with with this XFL and and the NFL took some things from the XFL last time around, the first time around, and and uh, you you do one. With this uh, with this kickoff, the XFL does. Everyone seems to like it, and you wonder if it will at some point make its way to the NFL. So the uh, special teams coach we were talking to, yeah, his face lit up when I mentioned Eric Metcalf, and just you know we've gone such a far way away from those guys, and they used to be celebrities in their own way or stars.
star players. And he even brought up that there's a disadvantage if you don't have a great offense that you can't get the field position to even help you out anymore. It's that everybody's starting at the 25 for the most part, which is actually another reason that I only really look at offensive rankings throughout the season. Defense is nice, but um, and, and you need defense, but I look more of can you be a top-five offense because if you're not, I think it's much harder to be the uh, Peyton Manning Denver team that you know finishes 26th in offense or something and goes to the Super Bowl. I think that that's even changed over the last few years, but those guys were really fun to watch, the Tamark Vanovers and Glenn Milburns and Devin Hesters, that, that they had this cool niche. I saw Steve Tasker while I was here. I don't know how many people know Steve Tasker, but one of the great special teams players of all time, and they just don't really have that spot anymore, and I, I'd love to see it come back. I think the XFL, this is sort of the purpose of a side league, is to come up with creative ideas that are different, and I would like to see maybe the the blockers staggered so you can you know do things like double teams or pulling or whatever else it might be and, and really get strategy into it and and then do something else for the onside because the onside the percentage to get them is dropped to almost zero so that, that used to be like a 20% play to kick an onside kick. Now it's nothing. So find a different solution. I like the NFL changing in these types of little ways that can just add some extra entertainment value to it. Well, I, you know, I think one thing why you know, special teams used to be exciting plays. You know, there are plays that really can swing people and there can be fake punts or, or, or block punts and, and returns. And it seems like special teams have just gotten more and more stagnant. Uh, you know, it, it, starting off with extra points. I mean, they were so boring, they actually tried to make it. It was basically an uncompetitive play. You know, when the when the kicking team scores 99% of the time, it's really an uncompetitive play at that point, which is why they moved it back to now more of a field goal. So, you right. know, try, and, and, and so punting, uh, you know, the football now, that's almost been, you know, becoming more and more an uncompetitive play because the punters are so good. They just hang them up there, and a lot of times it's a, a fair catch or a very, very short return. Uh, they don't try to kick it 70 yards. They just want that sort of four. 45 to 50 yard uh, in, in a fair catch, which makes it a not uh, you know very exciting play. So uh, you know I think any way you can sort of add a little pizzazz to the football game, uh, add some variables to the game, and again you know sort of celebrate those great returns. By the way, I played with Eric Metcalf. Oh, did you with he was Washington? Great, man. We, One of my we, favorite players. We didn't have a returner. They signed him, uh, I don't know, three, four, five weeks into the season. Every first, old player went to Washington. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, first punt, uh, well, the funny thing was we had Marty Schottenheimer, and I think Marty had coached him going way back to the Cleveland, Cleveland Brown yep. days. I yep. mean, Brown, and then, of course, then he went to Kansas City, then Marty came uh, to Washington. But I, I still remember the very first time Eric, Eric Metcalf uh, touched the football, but, which, which, by the way, he had said to me for the last nine months, the only exercise he had got, he had been walking his dog around the lake uh, that wasn't too far from his house wherever he lived but the first time he touched the ball he drops the punt he picks it up and he takes it 90 yards to the house he was a unique talent yeah he, he was, was a great unique. talent he had the high knees i mean he had a very yeah. unique running style but he was electric and you love having those electric players in the open field in the nfl you love to see more plays like that not fewer yeah and, and i'm sure the chicago bears fans would talk about Hester and Vikings fans saw it with Patterson. The crazy thing is, even from Patterson's rookie year to now, the number of kick returns has almost been cut by a third. 
it needs to come back. So uh, I am in agreement with the special teams coach that we talked to that I'd love to see them figure something out here. All right, you ready for this game? Let's do this thing. I have six players and four factoids, and you uh, they come all entirely from the NFL.com profiles because I read a million of these every draft season, and some of them are hilarious, or some of them are random or interesting. So I've got four factoids, and you need to match the player. So here are the players. Uh, guard Natain Muti, yes. who is from Fresno State. Just, just just before we get started, you obviously found, you went through and found the most unusual names possible. There's so a reason would, for that. We would have to fight and struggle through this whole thing. There's a reason for that. Okay. You'll find out. Uh, defensive end y- Yatur Gross Matos. Uh, cornerback Damon Arnett. Quarterback Jake Fromm. And guard Yasir Durant. Linebacker Akeem Davis. Gaithier. Okay, these are your your five or your six prospects, and you have to match up which. Um, and all these guys are first or second round potential picks. Okay, so eventually we'll hear of these guys more, and we'll learn how to say their names for sure. Um, but uh, here's some facts from their NFL.com profiles, and you tell me which is which. All right, our first player is from Spotsylvania, Virginia. He is described as not being overly twitchy, but is known as a rangy chaser. Which one of those six prospects is a rangy chaser? I'm going to go with Yatur Gross Matos. Nailed it. How did you know that? Well, defensive ends are always chasing, right? <laughs> I mean, and they're not always explosive. So uh, I was either going to be him or the cornerback, Damon Arnett. That's so, great. Yatur Gross Dash Matos. What, what I like about this is that most of this draft language and f- like hardcore football language, people are like, what? What does that mean? You're like, oh, well, obviously he would be a rangy chaser. By the way, almost all this stuff comes from scouts. This is like scout language. And then sometimes that language gets passed down to the media members of like, you know, what do you think of this guy? Or they'll send them some email or a text or whatever. Like, what do you think of this player? And that's how it sort of gets that way. And there's, of course, like the Daniel Jeremiah's or the uh, Lewis Riddick's of the world who have been in like the scouting world who are now in the media who still have that language. Yes. Okay. our, Our next player was a star member of the Warner Robins Little League baseball team that made the United States bracket of the 2011 Little League World Series. He is known for having quiet feet, but has a lack of premium physical tools. Jake Fromm. Nailed it. Well, the baseball. Well, I I learned my lesson the other day with Anthony Gordon when he went. He was picked in the in the in the baseball draft. So you go to baseball, you you got to go to quarterback. Okay. Do you do you agree with Jake Fromm? All those things make a lot of sense. I think there's a lot of things I like about Fromm. It's like everything, but he just doesn't have the big arm. He doesn't have the big stature. uh, You know, but he's you know he's won a ton of football games, and I I I am a believer that the guys that do play in the huge conferences, uh, they have a little bit of advantage in the sense of like the NFL game is not overwhelming to them uh, but I like from but also very few SEC quarterbacks have succeeded in the NFL and, yeah. and this is a good this is a discussion the other night we we're talking about this uh, it's, it's the fact that the defensive linemen in the SEC are so good mm-hmm. that the quarterbacks never have any time and so everything is to basically just try to help out the quarterback so they never it's not like uh, you know the Washington State or the Texas Techs where they're throwing the ball over the place and right. they've got tons of time they've got so little time that everything is like a three-step drop or a screen and so you never really get to see what these quarterbacks get to do well, and that's right and a lot of the SEC running backs are the star of the show so you have offenses that are designed to highlight them a yes. lot of times uh, all right, our especially next- at Georgia 
Oh, yeah, that's yeah. like uh, running back university. All right, our, our next guy. This player was convinced to stay for his senior year by former Viking Chris Carter. That Chris Carter talked to him and said, hey, you want to stay one more year? So now he's coming out in the draft instead of last year. He possesses a stiff jab, but he needs to learn to control his emotions on the field. Which player would that be? I'm going to say it's one of the, well, uh, Damon Arnett. Damon, three for the, three? The cornerback. I think it was, the stiff was I, jab. Was I 0 for the other day? I mean, it was uh, 1 for 4 yeah, or something? You got a couple, but you didn't three. do particularly well. Well, stiff jab, I was it's, I was thinking either uh, either cornerback or one of the guards, because they sort of have that jab, too. See, but. I thought about this, and I thought, which positions might I be able to fool you with? But, you know, when I use the quiet feet for Jake Fromm, I thought maybe he'll think it's a guard, like with quiet yes. feet. Well, Damon Arnett, yeah, cornerback, has a stiff jab. What do you know? He does indeed, but he needs to learn to control his emotions (laughs) on the field. That's what I've learned from NFL.com. The draft profiles are by Lance Zierlein. They're amazing, by the way. I mean, there's so much information on so many people. You can literally type in anyone's name, and then he'll have an entire scouting report on them. It's super helpful. But the funny part is that teams will copy and paste those for their own like websites, and sometimes he's just destroying a guy. So they'll copy and paste the scouting report about their new player, and he's like lazy, the guy's not smart, everyone hates him. And they're like, here's our seventh-round pick. Yeah, with a stiff jab. That was, uh, who was that last Jamin year? Jamin Arnett, I'm guessing no relation to Will Arnett. Um, probably unlikely, but that's the guy who plays Bojack Horseman, which I've been mentioning on the show from time to time. All right, last one. This player was born in Tonga. He is uh, known as having uh, as being thick boned, but uh, not a great bender. However, he does have heavy hands. Mm. Who is the thick boned, heavy handed man from Tonga? Well, the thing is, we have Natane Muti. <laughs> this Yasir is why I had lots of weird names. Davis Gaither. I'm going to go with Natane Muti. That sounds to me like the most Tongan name of those three. You're correct. You went four for four. Well done. Well, from it is, Muti it is, is like Natane Mantau Muti. Teo. So yeah. I was sort of, that's, that's, that's how right. I was trying to get to that. He is from Tonga and indeed has. Thick bones. I'm not really <laughs> sure what that means exactly, but there was also a story. Well, Bill that, Walsh a long time ago they did a great Bill Walsh uh, a segment. Uh, I think it was maybe he was coaching at Stanford at the time after he left the 49ers, but he talked about how he loved uh, uh, linemen, particular offensive linemen from the islands. You know, Samoan America, uh, uh, the Samoans and and Tongans and things because I think they I guess have maybe shorter legs but longer arms and they're super super strong, which usually means they're thick boned. Uh, and they're sort of perfectly uh, uh, designed, almost uh, as uh, you know, for for, the, for offensive line play. So look for the thick bone Tongan, and you'll be all right. You could follow Bill Walsh. All right. Well, good job going four for four. 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 four, Stuff for four. To, well, you know, it was so embarrassing uh, the other day. Yeah, you didn't do that. that, well. uh, that I had to step up my game. Uh, all right, Jeremiah Searles, I caught up with him earlier today, so uh, we're going to play you that interview really good. He talks about what he's doing here at the Combine, um, the decision of whether to try and keep playing or do something else for his post-career life, and uh, then he gives us some hot takes on the Vikings and quarterbacks. So that's coming up next. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Listen and win with the free Score North mobile app this month. One lucky winner will win a $200 gift card to Amazon.com just for having and using the app. All you have to do is register your app, listen to your favorite Score North content, and you could be a winner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. 
Back here on Purple Daily, we are inside the JW Marriott Hotel, where I have caught up with former Minnesota Viking Jeremiah Searles, who is a consistent guest on the show, and I was surprised to see you here, Jeremiah. How are you? I'm doing well, man. It's my first combine, so it took me six years to get to the combine, but I finally made it. Uh, First time here at the combine, hanging out and just kind of taking in everything that it is. So you didn't get invited to the combine when you were coming out. Did you feel like at that point that you wouldn't have an NFL career? You know, at that point, I was I was sad about it um, because my junior year, I was projected a third through fifth round. I got injured my senior year, which eventually led to the not being able to go to the combine. And my agent was like, look, a lot of guys don't go to the combine. It, it, it's just a case. And talking with other pro personnel guys, they're like, you know, like this is a, the thing that people don't understand about the combine either is we're having record numbers of juniors declare every single year, and it's getting more and more, and there's still only a certain amount of guys that can come to the combine. Right. So scouts and pro personnel guys or college personnel guys are looking like they have this whole thing on seniors, and all of a sudden it's like all these juniors come. It's like, well, we got to get eyes on these guys. Right. And so guys like me who are kind of bubble guys combine, mm-hmm. late-round draft picks probably, like those guys kind of fall out of the combine so these juniors can come in. And you're seeing that more and more, but you're also seeing more and more PFAs and free agents that make teams because they can play. So for me, looking back on it, easy. It's twenty twenty, but I mean, yeah, I was devastated when I didn't get the combine invite. I mean, I thought I thought I was a good enough player to get one. I thought I'd start a lot of games, but I mean, it just goes to show you that this stuff, as important as it may be, it's not the end all be all. If you think you can have a career, right? For sure, and a lot of guys will run a four two and not become a good player. Yep. There are a lot of guys who will, you know, get all all the attention for what they do at the combine and then not play as long as you have in the NFL. So uh what you doing here at the combine? Um you know I, I, I was a little surprised to see you. Um you don't run into too many players yep. here. It's not like the Super Bowl where, you know, uh, all the players go down to promote whatever truck they're right, driving right. now or whatever right. candy they're they're promoting. So uh so what's up? Yeah so for me is as as I'm rehabbing from this injury, and I know that my post career, my post football career, is going to be something that's going to be coming up here. Hopefully, not right away, but maybe two, three years. Who knows? Um, but I'm shadowing my agent, and because oh. for me, I look at what an agent does and the role of an agent. And for me, it's a mentorship thing. It's a how do I help guys that were in my position, or how would I how would I help guys? And so it's just a shadow. I, I just kind of see in the other side of it. Um, I remember I was talking with another buddy of mine that was like, "This is the time of year where you sit at home and you wait for your agent to call you and be like, hey, I talked with XYZ and they said this.'" And and like I always remember, like, "Well, I wonder what my agent's doing at the combine." And so like to see this, and I mean, I probably walked ten miles in the last two days because it's just hotel to hotel and like meeting with different guys and chatting and relationship building and it's really cool i really enjoy it so it's just something i'm exploring a little bit and seeing if that's something my post football might be a career path for me so what's the biggest thing that you've learned about uh, if you do ultimately become an agent of how that business works I've learned that it's it's much like it's much like a coaching world of it's all about who you know. <laughs> For uh, sure, it is, and it's about building relationships and building trustful relationships with guys. That I mean, one thing I'll say this: there's probably a lot of good agents out there, but there's also I've had encounters with guys that have bad agents and, and the snake oil salesman and sure. the slicked hair Jerry Maguire show me the money <laughs> type guys, yeah. and and for me it's you you learn talking with people in front offices and talking with coaches that people see right through that facade sure um, and so it's about building trustful relationships and real relationships with people and you know you're going to work for your guy and if you call someone 
and they pick up the phone, they know what they're getting out of your client because of who you are. Right. But I thought that was interesting. Um, how like I mean, you always say like you know how it's always the the joke that like the dog reflects the owner. I mean, it's very similar along the lines of like your client. You should reflect your client just right. as much as your client should reflect you. I personally believe, as an agent and being a former player, I have probably have a little bit of a different perspective on it mm-hmm. than some of these guys who have never played a snap of football in their entire life. Right? Yeah, for sure. Now that doesn't mean you're going to give up broadcasting things. Correct. That you do right? Absolutely not. Um, absolutely not. So I've, I've done a lot of stuff uh, for the Husker Sports Network down in uh, Nebraska, doing some stuff for them. And again, that will be another option post career of mm-hmm. NFL ends and what do I want to go into. And I love. Husker football. I've been ingrained down there doing my podcast and stuff down there and jumping on with you guys up in Minnesota. And I love it. Media is fun. It's a blast. It's another way to stay around the game and talk about the game and understand and help people. I mean, hanging out with you and Booney would be really fun. So, <laughs> so no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of just throwing lines in the water. And as I rehab and I have some downtime, I mean, I can't really be doing a whole lot. Teams aren't going to look at me until I get medically cleared for right. another few months. And I got downtime. So why not take advantage of this downtime and explore some options? Well, I think it's a great idea and even when i was covering you as a reporter the consensus among the reporters was that you could be a broadcaster or something after because you were always one of the more insightful interviews which we greatly appreciate so that means i got to get some takes from absolutely you and, and some breakdowns it. here uh good practice I, I think mike zimmer made it pretty clear yesterday when we talked to him that offensive line is something they're going to look close at and this draft is big for tackles now one thing i think about a lot with this team and how they're viewing their offensive line situation is scheme fit because Gary Kubiak's the offensive coordinator. We know he likes lighter offensive linemen, the zone running scheme. Uh, how much would you value it in terms of meeting with these guys and, and watching them run and do all the different things of how they might fit versus just who is the best player for offensive line? Yeah, there's definitely a piece to that as far as scheme fit, but I will say this. The outside zone, wide zone scheme is becoming more of the norm in college, and you're seeing more of the offensive linemen that will fit that scheme than the old school power downhill run it football type of guys. So I think the variety and the group of guys from first round to sixth round there's a lot of those guys in there, so it's a matter of, okay, how high do we want to pick an offensive lineman? Right. Um, I mean, they took, what, Bradbury in the first round last year. So, I mean, do they go the Dallas Cowboys route and just start stacking O-linemen in the first round and think that that's going to be the answer to fix it? Or, I mean, the, the thing with the Vikings right now is they're not going to be able to go buy an offensive lineman. Right. And, I mean, you, you draft a guy high, you're rolling the dice. You, you really are. I mean, they've hit on some guys in Pat Fline, who I think is a really good player. Garrett Bradbury had a pretty good year. Brian O'Neill's having a really good year. But, I mean, you, you look back in history, and they had, some, they had some misses, too. And so I think that if they do draft an O-lineman, it's going to be high because they need a guy that can contribute right away. And I think the scheme fit-wise, there's a lot of guys in this draft class that fit that zone scheme because that's majority of what you see in college. Yeah, for sure. And, and drafting a guy to fill in right away is something that we've talked about, which is... I think rolling the dice or you know, sort of putting your life in your hands a little bit if you draft a left tackle and then try to move Riley Reef inside, asking a left tackle to step right in and face the Nick Bosa's of the world is really tough. 
uh, Brian O'Neill did a good job with it two years ago, but still, when you went back right and watched Right versus left is very different things, too. I'll tell you that right, right now. Yeah, for sure. And also, he was hanging on for dear life to some extent yep. as well. And then last year, he really emerged as, as quite a good player. Why is that transition so hard? Because even Pro Football Focus did a study on this and found linemen have the toughest time in their first year and then grow big time to their second year. Yeah, I mean, it, the transition from the NFL to college to the NFL is just so fast. And when you get a guy that at that position specifically, I was actually just talking about this with one of the, the pro personnel guys here at the Combine, was the idea of you're a senior in college and you're a good offensive lineman. You might say, oh, man, I'm going against a redshirt freshman this week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this guy's face in the dirt over and over and over <laughs> right. again, right? Yeah. Well, that doesn't happen anymore in the NFL. And the NFL is all about two things. You get yours, you get got. And it's inevitable. Like, I don't care if you're Trent Williams, you're an all-pro. Eventually, someone's going to get you. And the, the play of the game is, can you get them more than they get you? And your first year, you're really engulfing so much from learning how to be a pro versus the play as well. Right. I mean, you're learning how to study a playbook. You're learning what it means to keep your body right for 16 weeks. You're learning what it means, okay, this dude's 270 pounds and runs a 4.6 coming off the edge, but he can also run right through my chest. Like, <laughs> right. It's just you're, you're dealing with a different class of athlete, on the, especially on the edges, um, that you're used to seeing. And especially some of these guys, I mean, you're coming from college programs where they'd hold up a board with a picture of a penguin and you knew what you were supposed to run. (laughs) And now you got a very complicated, complex offense run by a quarterback like Kirk Cousins or Aaron Rodgers or these guys that can check to anything at any time. They can get to anything. So not only are you thinking about the thing, you're also thinking about, oh, i got to block this guy. Like, There's just a lot to come in and learn how to do as an offensive lineman, not just the physical piece, but trying to put it all together in one year is really hard, which is why I love the idea of like a, a red shirt. So if the Vikings want to draft a left tackle this year, and they're going, okay, this guy's going to take over for Riley next year. Right. Put yeah. him as the swing tackle. He's still going to get some reps because, I mean, if you go both years with both your tackles not getting hurt, awesome. But trying to draft a guy right now and stick him in at left tackle mm-hmm. – I don't necessarily know the best thing, but you let him look grow. I mean, the perfect example is Patrick Mahomes, right? Patrick Mahomes, right. He, yeah. he learned and under Rogers, Alex Smith. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers learned. And then they emerged because that first year of learning what it means to be a pro is really, really hard. Yeah, for sure. You see it with all sorts of different positions. Quarterback stands out the most, but offensive line too. And that, there's reason for the Vikings to believe that someone like Garrett Bradbury could take a big step forward, but they really tried to fill that spot in year one. And in some games, it just did not go very well. I mean, and, and and same thing with expect- Pat Fline. Pat yep. Fline had the same thing. And, and yeah, Pat struggled some this year, but he was also the first time he's played left guard. Right. I mean, yeah. but I can, I can remember throwing Pat in the fire. I mean, that was the 2017 year. And, and he, he had some issues with guys like Hakeem Hicks or Fletcher Cox or Geno Atkins, but that's to be expected. Right. You yeah. have never seen that type of talent before mm-hmm. on a football field. You just, you've just never seen it, and you don't even know what to expect. And all of a sudden you get hit by this freaking freight train coming at you, and you're like, whoa, okay. But that then it gives you a measuring stick, right? You right. then go into your second year understanding, like, okay, that's what that felt like. and Like, mm-hmm. how do I combat that? How do I become a better player because of that? And that's where you see right. those jumps. Right. That's where you see those jumps. So I agree. I think Garrett Bradbury is going to have a nice jump to year mm-hmm. two, and you're going to see a lot of good things. So I think he's a pretty good player. Well, you and I are very much on the same page at looking at this draft, not to fill immediate needs or not to hope for that on the offensive line, but look toward 2021 and maybe try to find some savvy signings down the board in mm-hmm. free agency a little bit. And I would say Josh Klein was that for them last yes. year. 
he was not an all-pro, but he did the job that he was supposed to do. And if they want to improve, then maybe that's the way to do it. If they're going to maybe replace Pat Elfline possibly or something like that, we'll see. But I don't see a massive jump in the offensive line play in 2020, which means it's kind of on Kubiak. It's kind of on Cousins to do a little bit better job with that and to try and scheme away from it and then continue to run the ball well. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the thing. Kubiak's going to want to run the football. That's no surprise, and as he should, right? I mean... And, and But the other piece to it goes to consistency of an O-line is very important, too. Mm-hmm. These guys yeah. have now worked together for a while. These guys have now gone through these different things. And it's like you keep plugging, plugging and playing new bodies and stuff. It's hard to, it's hard to keep getting a rhythm. Sure. Like, yeah. It's good to have the same five starters a couple years in a row. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, yeah, maybe you can find a guy that maybe is a slight upgrade, but is he good for the room? Is he good for the, the guys? Like, those are all things that in an O-line room, especially, you have to take into consideration. Right. Yeah, you and, don't want to land an Alex Boone or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I mean, it's very true. You bring a big personality into a room with other big personalities, yeah. things will clash. Or you bring in a guy that just doesn't quite fit with the guys, and it, it'll it, it's so... Offensive line is such a special place because you got to get true five guys and really seven guys that can all plug and play seamlessly and not miss beats. And when you can find that, that's when you have really good offensive lines. I mean, you look across the league at good lines, and there's guys that are mainstays, right? Yeah, I mean, for name sure. the last mainstay that was on a Vikings offensive line. Like mm-hmm. there just there just hasn't been a lot of turnover, a lot of guys going around the league and moving here, moving there, getting cut, getting released, getting signed. And so that's where you, you need to find some mainstay guys that start in Minnesota, stay in Minnesota, right. and right. work that way through. I mean, so many guys start there, second contract mm-hmm. are gone. Talking with uh, Jeremiah Searles, former Minnesota Viking, and possibly someday NFL agent, possibly someday full-time broadcaster, we'll see, um, current NFL player still. So uh, let's talk about this Vikings' immediate future here, though, because uh, who plays on defense now? Oh how crazy! Gosh. How crazy is this? You go from last year, every player in the playoff game against San Francisco was on the team in 2015 on defense. And by next year, that number could be cut in half. And Mike Zimmer wants Everson Griffin back, but that's not a guarantee. Just because you say you want him back, but he might come back and say, well, I'm still worth $10 million in this league. If there are other edge rushers worth 20, I'm at least worth 12 or 15. And then there's just no way to sign him. So how do they fill all these spots without the cap space? I don't know. It's a great, I mean, you look across the board, and you, if you start really looking at it, and I actually did because I, I love Minnesota. I love you guys up there. I watch them all the time. And I'm looking at going, okay, so you could probably, like, if you look at it, like, Linville or Everson probably gets signed. The other one probably walks. Yeah. Um, and then you look at the secondary, and you're like, okay, well, Zay might have to go just strictly for cap reasons, no other reasons. Uh, they probably don't have the money to sign back Trey Waynes. Anthony Harris is going to be a top five paid safety, and they can't afford that. And Mike Hughes is coming off that injury deal. Kenzie Alexander is a free agent. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, so Harry, right. can you do it all? <laughs> like I, on you and Eric Kendricks. Yeah, yeah, can you can you figure it all out? Can you do it all? Can you do what you need to do? And it's like, man, like it's just going to look so different. And yeah. I really do believe that. Two years ago, when they signed Kirk Cousins, they said, "You know what? We got lightning in a bottle right now, mm-hmm. and we're going to have to make a run at this. And then in two years, we might have to blow the whole thing up and start over." But we got to make a run, and they did. I mean, they had two years where they made runs, and I mean, they had a good run at it this year. But I just, I don't know what you do 
And that's why I'm not a front office guy, and that's why I don't have any <laughs> yeah, desire right. to be a front office guy. Right. But you didn't say I, you were here to become a GM. Yeah, I guarantee you Spielman, Zimmer, and those guys are having really tough conversations about what yeah. does our team look like. And right. and you got to draft guys, and the, the key being you got to hit on those draft picks because if you don't have the money to pay these free agents, you got to get guys that will contribute early and contribute in a big way. Guys like Derwin James for San Diego. Right. Or, yeah. or even like you get some of these young guys, Nick Bosa's of the world, Quentin Nelson's of the world, that they get in early and they contribute and help right. early. And that's kind of what you hope for. But again, it, it's not an exact science. Anyone knows the draft is it's a crapshoot on a lot, of, a lot of ways. And when you're drafting low all the time, it's hard to stockpile talent. I Correct. mean, that's really what helped San Francisco is that their quarterback got hurt and then they end up with the fourth overall pick and mm-hmm. they take an immediate star. Quentin Nelson was sixth overall. For, Third, I think. For a guard or whatever yeah. he was, a top draft pick. And that means that he's probably the best damn guard prospect ever yep. if, he's, if he's being taken that high. You just can't get that if you're the Vikings winning you've been successful and you're drafting 25th i wonder how much you think from having a lot of experience practicing against that defense of course more talent is going to equal better and in 2017 everyone's healthy everyone's talented terrence newman's still there like it's a deep and great defense but how much can it be helped by scheme because i think if the vikings continue to have a good offense like they did this year they keep creating explosive plays off play actions and Diggs and Thielen are healthy and, and Cook comes back on a new contract, then big if. If you're, it is a big if for sure. Uh, if you are the 10th best defense in the NFL, you can still be there in that conversation mm-hmm. in the playoffs. If you're the 20th, probably not. So how much can Zimmer scheme to help all the other new pieces that are going to be coming in? Yeah, I mean, scheme's a big part, and Zimmer's a big, great defensive mind. He has been for a long time. But the question is, can you get the pieces of your like puzzle to make your scheme fit? Um, if you got to go try and changing schemes and putting a bunch of new schemes in, uh, you, you know, it's just it's one of those things that it's kind of feast or famine. Right. Like guys are going to pick it up real quick, or it's going to take a long time. And I mean, it took it took that group of core guys. I mean, Zimmer was there in four or what? Fifth, yeah. Fourteen, fifteen, fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it took them three years to really build that core of okay we understand it we all can run it every right. single person on the field understands their sure. like so you start trying to and you and you implement the young guys so you can't just be like hey here's our new scheme and throw because like <laughs> i said on offense in college defense is pretty similar right i mean there's not a lot of scheme fits a lot of blitz packages packages that you can get so i mean i think that scheme is almost gonna have to get simpler and you have to rely on on your studs and daniel and kendricks and Barr and harry yeah. to make plays Right. And it's going to be hard because offenses are evolving. I think the the NFC North's on its way up. I mean, I think the Bears get, going to get figured out. They get healthy again. You got Packers, new coach Aaron Rodgers still there, and then Lions Detroit. Are kind of a sleeping Detroit is giant like you don't, you don't know you don't know who you don't know what Patricia's going to throw out right. there on the field. You just don't yeah. know. And I mean, then the Vikings are like this giant question mark. Like, okay, right. well, what are they going to do? What are they right. going to look like in 2020? The way I feel right now, it could be 11 and five, or it could be six and ten. 100. I, mean, I, I think and there's a huge. That's gap. the spectrum. I yeah. mean, and it could be eight and eight again. You yeah, know, like absolutely. you could just find in. You just don't know because of so many variables. And I mean, that front office has got their work cut out for them. Spielman, Zimmer, all those guys got their work cut out for them. But they're smart guys. I mean, they. George Payton's one of my favorite guys in the organization, and he he was able to. I mean, he, I guarantee you, he he saw two years ago, and he he predicted this day, and he has a plan. Um, and I'm sure they'll execute whatever plan a, a is. But I'm curious to see how it all comes out. So I have two more things for you. Okay, and you can pick which one you want first. All right, 17 game season take or 
a quarterback hot take for the crazy quarterback offseason. We'll do the seventeen. We'll do the seventeen take. Okay. Take. What's your What's your feeling on that? I think I think it's feasible if you a pay the players enough, and b you got to take out the fourth preseason game, and yes. and maybe the third. Two. And you need two buys. You have to have yeah. two buys. If you want to go seventeen weeks, I mean, me and me and a buddy were talking about this. Say a guy plays. Say a guy plays ten. 10 years, like, in 10 years in the league. I mean, that's 10 more games. That's almost a full season right. of wear and tear on your body. And, right. like, everyone's like, it's just one more game. Like, you know, that's one more week of practice. That's one more week of pounding on the body. That's And, like, even if you add the other bye in there, you're still practicing on the bye week. Right. Like, it, it's just, it will add up over time. It, it does. I mean, 16 games is already with four preseason. You're at 20. You go deep in the playoffs, like you're playing 22, 23 games. Right. I mean, that is a lot of football. And so to add one, you got to make it compensation wise, and you got to do some definitely tweaks to make it. You need two buys, 100%, take away the third, fourth preseason game, and then you got to add some more player money on the revenue because the amount of money that comes in, it needs to be shared with the players. And I think that it's one of the reasons why teams have such a difficult time going back to the Super Bowl when they've gone the year before is just the amount of wear and tear. Like you see it add up on teams. And, Absolutely. And it even might have taken a, a toll on the Vikings in 2018, where. Yeah players got hurt in the playoffs and then you have long rehabs and then you come back already behind the ball and so adding even more to that you're right you need additional rest mixed it mixed in for sure all right now quarterback hot take tom brady going to go somewhere else uh do you have do you have one that's sort of off the board of this guy's going to end up here and it's going to shock everybody i think i think my quarterback hot take is philip rivers to indianapolis okay i think i think i don't know if it's necessarily a hot take i think a lot of people are kind of like you know that's like a lukewarm it's a lukewarm take but i think philip rivers reunites with frank reich yep i was in san diego when those two were there together they work well together and I don't know if they're sold on Jacoby Brissett, but I think they understand that, they, again, they kind of have the lightning-in-the-bottle piece of a lot of young guys yep. on young rookie contracts. Cap space. They Cap can, space. Yep. That eventually they're going to have to pay those guys. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, let's get Phillip in here for maybe a one-year, a two-year, right. and make a run at this thing. Right. And, I mean, Phillip's an incredible talent, and he brings that oomph to you. And I think that that's a good one. The other one is... I could see a possibility of Cam Newton going to the Chicago Bears. Really? Okay, now that one's spicy. I, that I one's can, spicy. I can see uh, Matt Rule and those guys kind of decide to mutually part ways. I know he said that he wants Cam Newton back, but, I mean, I, they could have said that a long time ago. You can ago. say a lot of things. You can yeah. say a lot of things, right? I mean, one thing I learned about this league very quickly is everyone's liars. Um, <laughs> but at one point in time, and so I could see that. That would be an interesting one to me is, you know, they, they moved Trubisky. Yeah, we're living down the fantasy yeah, world here, but I love it. Great. You move Trubisky for fourth round, fifth pound, whatever you can get for him. Yep. You bring Cam Newton into that offense with Matt Nagy and Terry Cohen and all these guys, yep. and, and you're like, okay, let's do something fun here because they have the defense if everyone can stay healthy. Sure, yeah. And I think that could be a game changer and tip the balance in the NFC a lot to a guy like that. Again, one-year, two-year deal, end mm-hmm. of his career, not run him as much, but have that kind of threat right. there. And then I think Tom Brady stays at New England for one more year, or he goes to the Tennessee Titans. And when he was in a more of a quick passing thing in his final year before he got hurt, he had started off that year with career numbers, and then mm-hmm. he gets injured multiple right. times, and then he's in a tough spot. Right. But I love that one. Like That's a, just a good take. This is why I said that like media needs to remain in your life. Because, <laughs> I appreciate that. Because if you could play along with the hot take uh, where a quarterback's going to go, then you're good. It's fun. So. It's going to be interesting, man. you got uh, all know, these I quarterbacks, and you're like, well, there's no way they all land somewhere. Jameis right. Winston is the most intriguing one to me. Right. Like, What do you do with the guy that went 30 and 30? <laughs> right. 
It's like, hey, right. in his press conference, he goes, I'm balling. It's like, uh, we have different definitions of balling. Yeah. And that's always been my problem with Jameis yeah. Winston. Like, you don't do know you, what you get out of him. Do you understand cool. this Ugh. league or game or anything that's happening here? But, uh, yeah, so, well, great stuff, man. Great to catch up with you, and I wish you the best of luck, whether it's on the football field next year or if you're becoming an agent or you're full-time broadcasting. Uh, I know that you're going to be successful in whatever you do. So it's great to catch up with you, Jeremiah. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on, and I'm sure we'll be back up again soon. All right, Jeremiah, Searles, and uh, maybe if you're you know, a hot take artist, people should start following you on Twitter Love as it. well. So Follow me on Twitter. On there. Hot takes. Hot <laughs> takes only. Exactly. All right, we'll be right back. You'll listen to Purple Daily. We are live from the NFL Combine. Join Mackie, Judd, and Rami each Wednesday at 5 p.m. for Write That Down. The guys not only make sports predictions but hold each other accountable for them each and every week. For your chance to be a guest picker on Write That Down, enter through listening rewards on your Score North mobile app. Score North download time. Jonathan here with this hour's download. Listen and win with the free Score North mobile app. This month, one lucky winner will win a $200 gift card to Amazon.com just for having and using the app. All you have to do is register your app, listen to your favorite Score North content, and you could be a winner. Over at ScoreNorth.com right now, Judd Zolgad has a piece on how the latest disappointing loss by the Gophers last night, blowing a 17-point first-half lead against ninth-ranked Maryland to go on to lose 74-73, could cost Richard Patino his job. Here's what the Gophers' head basketball coach said last night about his job security. You try to constantly, when you're in this profession, you think about your team, you think about your family. Um, you know, you try to stay confident. Anytime you lose close games, you got to evaluate every single game. Um, you know, but I'm very, very confident what we're doing here. I think our guys are really good kids and getting better. Uh, you know, we just got to, we, we can't worry about that. We got to move on to the next one. All right, back to Purple Daily. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment of the day and of our Combine experience. Here's Purple Daily. All right, one final segment from the Combine. Emotions are high here between myself and Sage Rosenfels, and we've got a few more things to get to, but I want to just talk about what teams we are most fascinated by as we start to get hot and heavy here with the draft, and I have another mock. And we need to analyze this mock because it's mock draft season. So let's let's just start with which teams we really are fascinated by, what they're going to do. And I'm going to try and shoot for some under-the-radar ones. And then we can take this whatever direction you want to go, Sage. But I'll start this out with saying that I think the Detroit Lions are the most interesting team in the entire draft season because they have so many different directions they could go. They could try to solve a cornerback issue by drafting Jeff Okuda right away. They could also draft Tua. They could trade down instead of trying to draft uh, Tua and let somebody else do it, like the Miami Dolphins. Or Tua could go number two with someone trading up with Washington and then put... Uh, Detroit in an interesting position or there's Isaiah Simmons who no one even knows what position the guy plays they just know he's really good at football I also think that they have the potential to be a good team next year and surprise us especially if that number three pick is a difference maker right away so well, Detroit that, is mine yeah I think that's uh that's a good one to go with because you know I by, by the way I was talking to somebody from Detroit last night somebody on their staff and they love they, they think Matthew Stafford still totally has it uh they think sort of without Matthew Matthew Stafford, that team has a lot of issues. I mean, he's the one that's sort of been holding that thing together. 
they just need to get better players around him. So uh, it, it seems to me that the Detroit Lions, for having a really, really high pick in this draft, they don't want a quarterback, which makes them super interesting because yes. of all the yes. you know the, uh, the trades that go after somebody else. I can definitely, definitely see them moving down and getting some other players. I see them going defense with their first pick, uh, you know, just because they have a defensive head coach in Matt Patricia. They'd love to have probably another cornerback or something or a good pass rusher, uh, you know, on that defense. It seems like defensive coaches love to draft defensive players uh, because you know, for every good coordinator, there's very rarely do you have a good defensive coordinator who doesn't have great players. Right. That's just sort of the yeah. way you know it, it sort of works. And so I think they're interesting for sure. As always, I think the Dallas Cowboys are a fascinating team. Of course, they're the Cowboys. Everybody loves talking about the Cowboys, but new head coach. They're a team that does have a lot of talent. I mean, I think there's plenty of talent on this roster. The reason, one of the reasons Jason Garrett got fired uh, was because they think they have talent, but it wasn't used properly. And they're, you know, an, an average sort of 500 football team. And, you know, you know, last year, Dak Prescott's got this uh, uh, situation, uh, you know, at, at the quarterback position with his contract and he's a free agent. And, you know, they said that he wants 40 and the team wants to give 30 and is 35 too much. And, you know, do, do you go $35 million to a quarterback? who's not great, but maybe just sort of good to sort of very good. I think Dak Prescott's a good quarterback. Uh, but, you know, Mike McCarthy is going to be there. Uh, whether he calls plays or doesn't call plays and what's the offense and all those types of things, that seems to be, you know, sort of fascinating for me. Amari Cooper, their number one wide receiver, who they trade a first-round draft pick for uh, just two seasons ago. He's a free agent as well. Yeah, they're always one of those teams who doesn't have a ton of salary cap money. Jerry does spend that cash, so they don't have a ton uh, of space there. So I see the Dallas Cowboys being an interesting team in this draft and in free agency coming up in about three weeks. So broad question on the Dallas Cowboys. Are they really far ahead of everyone else in terms of roster in the NFC East if Dak stays, which I'm sure he will, that they'll just franchise tag him if they can't come to an agreement on a contract. But Amari Cooper goes. Like, are they still more talented than the other teams because i think they were last year by a very wide margin and yet still only went eight and eight and that's why they have a new coach um but if amari cooper goes Dak prescott has been a different quarterback without amari cooper and he's a free agent so this is a great wide receiver draft but of course you're still rolling the dice if you're trying to fill a spot with the wide receiver like do we think that they're going to be really good because i could see a lot of outcomes here yeah i'm not sure they're going to be really good i I just find them fascinating yeah you know i think there's just a lot of variables there you know a lot of sort of unrest and you know obviously you know first year head coach with mike mccarthy uh you know you know coming from green bay so you know it should be really interesting of course mike also being out of football for a complete year that's always sort of interesting to me when someone's sort of been out of the loop and then comes back in obviously studying his own practices taking that step back but also sort of studying the league and having more time to study the league and maybe what San Francisco is doing in the running game and that's that was one of the issues in Green Bay is that Aaron Rodgers rarely had a great running game and as soon as Mike McCarthy leaves all of a sudden they got a pretty dang good running game right so you would think Mike would want to study that more and do some of those things that Dallas has had a very good running game with Zika Elliott uh, in his time there as their tailback so i just find that team you know sort of fascinating you know the giants are I don't, they don't, I don't think they have very much talent. Uh, the Eagles had like every injured, uh, you know, player you could possibly think of on their roster, you know, last year. I was speaking to somebody with the Eagles organization, one of the coaches about, uh, you know, their offense and, uh, uh, Doug Peterson, he's very sort of traditional, 
more old school Andy Reid offense and not quite as creative maybe uh, you know as an Andy Reid. I do know for a fact that they're really excited to add Rich Scangarello to that group because uh, you know uh, Jeff Lurie, the owner, wants a little more of that Kyle Shanahan zone play action bootleg stuff because they do very little for for how good Carson Wentz is. They are in shotgun all the time. They sort of they are really relying on him to sort of make everything happen. And now it'd be nice to have him under center, a little play action and the bootleg stuff. I mean, he's such a good athlete. Uh, it, w- it would be nice to get him on the edge uh, and out of that pocket. Probably also you know save him f- from some of his injury situations. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is that him in the shotgun? If something's not there, he takes off, and he doesn't really know how to slide. And I'm not sure that's something anyone ever really learns. That you sort of have that instinct of what do I do here? And Wentz always tries to push it for that extra yard or two. I was going to stay in the NFC East and go with the New York Giants because they have the fourth overall pick here. They have a roster that is just filled with all sorts of holes, and they have the number four overall pick. So you could look at it and say, well, you could get a really excellent player at number four. You could get somebody who wants to trade up that might think that Justin Herbert is worth drafting high, which you and I are on the same page in not thinking that. Also, the Giants... Somebody will get fooled. Right, right, exactly. Someone's getting fooled. Someone's going to want that top pick to try and take Justin Herbert, I think. If you're that tall and you put up big numbers and you have giant hands, probably someone is going to become obsessed with you through the process. And he looked really good at the Senior Bowl, which those guys usually do. So the Giants are not in a position where they would want to draft a quarterback because they have Daniel Jones from picking him last year. They, But they... Also need franchise changing players. So they need a wide. They need a wide receiver. Right, I mean, right. they let they let Odell Beckham go not because of his talent, but I think they were sort of concerned about just all the other stuff that Odell seemed to be adding to that team. Right. And you're trying to you're they know they're sort of starting over, and they want guys who aren't a distraction. And Odell sort of like sort of like finds the distraction, like he he is the distraction. And so um, you know, some people have him as have him as the have has the Giants, excuse me, drafting Jerry Judy, the wide receiver out of. Alabama. And I've who, seen Henry Ruggs too, another top receiver who's yeah, out there. Yeah, so you know it's the classic thing. It's like when Matt Ryan was drafted by uh, Atlanta. It's like okay, they got the quarterback, they got Daniel Jones. Let's get all these weapons around him. Started off where they have Saquon Barkley. That's great, but now they need some wide receivers and and some other talented players and you know, probably some offensive linemen. So I can definitely see the Giants going uh, offense heavy in this draft. Well, and I also think that you know team trade down would make a lot of sense here for them because. They just have so many holes, so that they could get Henry Ruggs, or they could get Jerry Judy, but you know, five picks lower or something like that. If they decided to move down, and so I don't look at them as a team that, if you're a Vikings fan, you're going, "Oh, let's talk about the New York Giants." But the Giants could swing someone else's future by what they do if they're letting somebody else potentially trade up and make a move to get a quarterback or something like that, and then the Giants all of a sudden get better by adding talent. It's sort of a down-the-road thing. It's like there are those teams that are going to draft impact players that could be very uh, uh, significant in 2020, and then there are those who could let those teams draft players who become significant in 2020. I mean, we're assuming that the 
only trades up are going to be for quarterbacks. But if someone gets really hot and heavy on Isaiah Simmons to try and move up, if he gets to the number four pick, then you could be talking about potentially a good team adding a great player. Kind of like when uh, Los Angeles got Derwin James, it was luck. He dropped in the draft to them. But he was a huge impact player right away, and Simmons has been compared to him. So if you're in the NFC and there's somebody... You know, maybe like, I don't know, you know, the Packers or the Detroit Lions trying to uh, move back with the Giants. You know, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of different type of scenarios that could play into this. Um, And I think the Giants are kind of in the middle of everything, but not necessarily being talked about because they've just been so bad. And they 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 have a quarterback. That's the thing is you have a really high pick and you have a quarterback that makes you a really intriguing team in the draft because everyone thinks, you know, if you're usually when you're a high pick, you don't have a quarterback. Right. Well, they really think they do, but they need a lot of pieces. And, and obviously, they're sort of starting over here the last couple of years uh, with Gettleman, Dave Gettleman, their their general manager. I uh, got rid of Jerry Reese a few years ago and, and said they are truly sort of starting over. They were, were, you know, again, trading Odell Beckham last year to get draft picks for, you know, guys for like this year. So an, another team that I find interesting is the Indianapolis Colts. This is a team that just a couple years ago, uh, you know, was in the playoffs and having a heck of a season. And their quarterback situation is sort of like, well, they, you know, Brissett's okay, like he's not terrible, like they're okay he's not at a that starter. position, but he's not. You know, they, they need to upgrade at that spot, but yet they don't have a top five pick. They're at number thirteen, and and some people have him as uh, or have them as going after you know one of these other quarterbacks like a Jacob Eason. Uh, you know, is he one of those guys? He's to me, he's very very similar in some ways to a Justin Herbert. He's sort of he, when he walks in the room, you sort of go, wow, look at this kid, six foot six, two hundred thirty pounds. He's got a big arm. I was watching some film on him uh, the other day, but uh, you know we'll, we'll have to see how we interviewed and all those types of things, and obviously how he throws tonight, how he throws on Thursday night. Uh, I don't think that. That goes a long way uh, to this stuff, but it's a nice little addition uh, to what they've seen, uh, you know, throughout the college season. It would make a ton of sense for the Indianapolis Colts to sign Philip Rivers and draft someone else and have that someone else sit behind Philip Rivers, a, a great guy, just an A plus person to be behind, learn from him for a year or even two years, so they can compete in a Super Bowl window. But then when they have to pay people, they could turn it over to the guy that they drafted. But you know they need receivers too. They have that great offensive line. They spend a bunch of picks with it, but they don't have, other than T.Y. Hilton, a whole lot of weapons. Marlon Mack in the backfield is a good player, but uh, the mock draft that I'm looking at that I want us to analyze closely has them taking a receiver in a really excellent receiver class. But I agree with Indianapolis in part because they could get up even higher if they had one player they really wanted. But they're that San Francisco 49ers-like team that had the quarterback issue where Andrew Luck just retires on them. So they're bad. They have a fairly high pick. They can add somebody else to a team that, in my mind, is really good. And you mentioned earlier in the show a division that's just very meh. Nobody in the Mm -hmm. AFC South is really super scary there unless Tennessee gets Tom Brady. I think the Jaguars are a bad team again. Houston has a new play caller, which might help, but you're still talking about Deshaun Watson having to carry a very heavy load there. So if you're looking for a team that could be a Super Bowl contender that could go 13-3 and with a Phillip Rivers playing quarterback if he's still got it, 
I like Indianapolis as your pick for being one of the most interesting teams. And, and, and one more that I want to bring in here is Washington. And even though I don't think Washington is a good team or a good franchise, or I don't think they're going to be uh, an impact team uh, over the next few years. Does, I just, does I think, Ron Rivera change that for you, though? It definitely helps. Uh, and I think that he's going to have maybe a little bit more power. He's got more, obviously, more clout uh, than like a Jay Gruden did because, you know, he was in the Super Bowl and he, he had a lot of success as the Carolina head coach. And, but why I find them fascinating is, is this. Not because they have a second pick and they'll, I assume, will draft Chase Young with that second pick. I mean, he really does seem far and above all the other defensive ends in this draft. But it's more the fact that they will have the second pick of the second round and they have an owner who likes to be interesting and he, I'm sure, would love to, uh, you know, make a splash on, you know, n- night one of the draft. Uh, but with that really, really high second round pick, that's basically a low first round pick. I can definitely see them giving up that second round pick, maybe giving up a third or a fourth to try to move into like the 25th pick of the first round. So let me bring up a fun scenario with Washington here. So last year, the Arizona Cardinals drafted Josh Rosen. They played him for one year. They were not that impressed. Two and, years two years ago. Sorry, yeah, two years ago. And then last year, they draft a quarterback again, and he looks really darn good. And by the way, is my final team. We'll get to that in a second for most interesting, and then we can... By the way, uh, he is good. It, like, he is... He's good. He yeah, is. He's he legit. Play. He's yeah, a ball. He can play. And so, thank goodness that they allowed uh, him to be number one without being scared of his height and all that sort of thing. But anyway... They made the right move, it looks like. Rosen struggled again with his second team, and he might not be good. And it was a gutsy move to say, eh, we're just going to move on from you and draft someone else. What if Washington drafted Tua, number two, and maybe even kept Dwayne Haskins? Because I'm not convinced Dwayne Haskins is awful. I watched a couple of his games against the Vikings. He was awful. But later on in the season, he had his moments. But he's far from a sure thing. I think that Tua is a much better prospect a defensive end is great. A defensive end is not going to f- entirely change the entire face of your organization the way a quarterback does. It's nice to have. It's really nice to have. But Kirk Cousins is going to determine how many games the Vikings win, not Daniil Hunter. Daniil Hunter will help, but he's not going to determine if you're 10-6 and six or 5-11. and 11. That's what a quarterback does. So if I'm Washington, I'm picking to a number two. And if... I play Haskins as the starter in year one, and it doesn't really work out. I could trade Haskins to somebody else or whatever. The, the quarterback's just too important, and if Haskins isn't the guy, you're screwed. So here's where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to press the X button for you, why I don't think that's going to happen. Oh, I don't think it's going to happen either. Right, it's because I talked to Scott Turner the other night, the new offensive coordinator for Washington, and uh, and we were discussing sort of the situation, like what do you think of Dwayne Haskins, and, and a couple things. One... Ohio State quarterbacks have not done well in the NFL for all the success that Urban Myers had over the years, and even really going back to Florida. They, he just has not had NFL quarterbacks. While they run such a sort of strange spread system there, I think a lot of those guys are woefully unprepared to be true NFL. Po- plus, they're more runners, you know, so it's they're not really great pocket passers. Well, Haskins is different. He really is a pocket passer. You're right. Uh, he really does have a, a great arm and is a good thrower and all those types of things. And I think that he's one of those guys that probably just needs some seed 
seasoning, uh, some marinating uh, for a year or for two years or for three years to become a really good quarterback. And the reason I bring up what Scott Turner said to me the other night was he goes, listen, uh, you know, he goes, I, I've watched some of his film. He does a lot of really good things. He did throw. People talk about Joe Burrow's crazy season he had last year where he threw 60 touchdown passes. Dwayne Haskins threw 50 touchdown right. passes yeah. uh, two years ago at Ohio State. Yep. So it's not like he's some guy who didn't. I mean, he put up crazy numbers, but people just for whatever reason, probably because it's the Ohio State quarterback thing, haven't put him in that class as a great thrower, but he is a very good thrower, and and, and I think he fits very well uh, into Scott Turner's system because Scott likes those sort of big, strong-arm quarterbacks. He's not a spread guy or anything like that. He likes those guys that can come back and, and throw 20-yard comebacks and, and, and start like to throw deep. He's very similar to his dad in that situation. So he might be fantastic, Haskins. I, I mean, I would leave the door open to that. He didn't play enough to get a huge sample size on him, and even rookie years, as we saw from someone like Jerry, Goff and even Carson Wentz those guys struggled in their first year and then were great in their second year so we'll see but if I'm them I'm thinking nothing impacts my franchise more than this one position so if I have two guys who are very highly talented and I get a look at both of them for an entire year Haskins plays to await if Haskins is really good in year two which you can pick up pretty quickly if a guy's going to be good these days then you just stick with them and trade Tua for a first-round pick because someone will give it to you the next year, and you feel great about yourself. And if Haskins struggles big time, you trade him for a second-round pick, and then you play Tua the following I don't year. know. The whole problem, if he struggles big time, then he becomes Josh Rosen, and I don't know what, what was Rosen for a fourth-round pick? Second. Or a, it was a second-round oh, pick? it was. Yes, oh, yeah. Oh, there you go. Because teams are so desperate. Potential yep. still See? sort of there, yeah. Hasn't, I, hasn't I, been ruined yet. I think that... There is no level of aggressiveness with the quarterback position that's too much because it's just so important in whether you win or lose or your franchise is great or whether you win the Super Bowl or not. So if you don't have a guy who can win the Super Bowl, keep drafting people. And, and if you're not sure, then still keep drafting people. And the quarterback position is why, and it's so important to these NFL teams, but it's why uh, as the NFL really does sort of kick off the true combine tonight, at least the on-the-field stuff, it's why the quarterbacks, they don't go first. The tight ends go at 5 o'clock today. Of course, we're Eastern time, but the quarterbacks will be throwing after that in prime time on the really the opening night of the 2020 NFL Combine. So, uh, the NFL is. tight ends as the cover band that plays yeah, before exactly. the real band at first half. That, that, that's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, prime time tonight, it will be the quarterbacks throwing and, and it will at least get, uh, you know, how the, how they look and, and, uh, how their drops are and, and all those types of things. But, you know, at the end of the day, and I've heard this time and time again, too, and, and Zimmer said this yesterday, it's really all about the tape. I mean, the tape, I think, is like 80% uh, of what they really think about. And these, the, some of these numbers things just sort of confirm, or maybe they there's a little bit question marks, but right. at the end of the day, it's all about that college tape. Okay, so the best way to wrap up our broadcasting from Indy is to look at a mock draft, I think. The most appropriate way. So I have one from CBS Sports here. And uh, no surprise, they have Joe Burrow going number one, Chase Young number two, and the Chargers trading up for Tua at number three. How about the Chargers get Brady and draft Tua? What an offseason. Oh, there you go. What an offseason. Well, well, so the, the whole fascinating aspect of Tom Brady is you know, the fact that he's probably just going to be there for a year or two, 
and you're going to create this. Draft Tua. Yeah, but you're going to create this entire offense for Tom Brady, which will be might be gone in 365 days, and that is sort of the uh, maybe the challenge of sort of going in all in on a guy uh, that won't be there, you know, long after that, and sort of shaking up the entire organization basically for this one player. A couple of different drafts. I've seen two different mock drafts that the Vikings will be taking Trafon Diggs. Did you uh, already jump the gun here and go right down to the Oh, uh, well, I went all the way down to the Vikings, I guess. But I, I just see it twice now that, uh, and again, maybe that's uh, to try to help okay, out. Okay, you with, didn't. With, My mock that I have here is different. So. Oh, yeah. So I've seen two of them now that has uh, Stefan Diggs' uh, younger brother, uh, who is a cornerback from Alabama, of them taking them. And I think that just sort of fits a lot of things. It's like, yeah, they do need a corner. And it would be nice to make Stefan a little bit happier uh, by drafting his brother, who will now have to be there for the next four or five years. And he fits Zimmer. I mean, he's really tall. He's lanky. He's incredibly fast. And, and those things are just hard to find for people who can actually play. And think about who was playing in the SEC this year against Alabama. There were a lot of great offenses, including LSU's offense. And, and so it's not like he was facing easy competition. Some of those offenses have great wide receivers who are getting drafted really high, and he got to go up against them. So you could get a really good idea of what he's going to be. But By the way, I, I was told yesterday that no NFL team has a better wide receiver core than LSU, that oh, they have yeah. so much I mean, talent. It's crazy. Almost every wide receiver they have in their first four or five guys. Of course, some of those guys are like freshmen, sophomores. Yeah. So they got a couple years to go, but almost all those guys will be drafted in the first three rounds. And NFL teams just don't have five guys that that will all be drafting that were drafting the first three rounds, but LSU does. And that is the one reason I would say to wonder about Burrow in terms of stepping in because he did have such great receivers. Um, continuing to work our way down this mock. Uh, Justin Herbert going to the Dolphins. You know, so now I, now I just had it ping in my head that like, wait, now I'm seeing Herbert way too high on these mocks. But then I'm, you know, NFL teams are going to be NFL teams and be convinced that he's a great athlete and also he's got the big arm and everything else. Do you know where I see that working? But I wonder out? if he could. I wonder if he could drop. Well, I, and I've heard that I have, I have heard the Dolphins really like him. But it always seems like to me that when when coaches are defensive head coaches, when they have a quarterback that has all like this sort of these numbers of like, oh, look at this guy and like how the ball comes out, yeah. but like. They don't see the gamesmanship, I guess, sure. uh, of a court like the Drew Brees sort of stuff that maybe an offensive head coach, you know, just might see. So I can very much see the Dolphins making a reach because of the defensive head coach and just sort of those tangible numbers and and sort of how Justin Herbert looks as an athlete and as a thrower. Yeah. But to me, I just don't see him as a you know real really good quarterback and uh, and and you know play, there's so many complexities to the position and you know the combine number stuff to me is like almost like the least important of all the things that make a, a true you know, great quarterback that you'd want to draft in the first round. Okay, so this CBS mock for the end of our show here in Indianapolis has a really interesting scenario. If the Vikings were picking. With C.J. Henderson, cornerback, on the board, but also Alabama's Jaderic Wills on the board, who is a really, really good athlete and probably will go before that would be my guess because a lot of people are saying he's the best tackle, potentially him and Andrew Thomas. 
But if there is a top-ranked tackle on the board and a solid-ranked corner, I think they go tackle. I don't think they go corner. Yeah, I, I think the game plan is this. You know, we, we talked about how you know sometimes great safeties who maybe normally would be like a high first-round draft pick, but but just because safety sometimes has a little bit less value, they end up sort of dropping in the draft as everyone's looking for quarterbacks and left tackles and corners uh, that the Vikings might go safety in that first round. But uh, I look at it as 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 tackle, left tackle, offensive left tackle, um, cornerback, and safety probably is the main three spots. Of course, they'll end up drafting a linebacker or something. In uh, the which fifth. They, which they have three good ones. But um, I see of those three spots, and it might come down to on the boards that they have of, you know, who, if, 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 uh, if their favorite tackles are gone before that, um, but yet the you know the the cornerback's still there, so it may not be like they have a certain guy pinned for that spot right now, but it's more of which guys are left over of those of those three positions right. uh, as teams sometimes like you know once a tackle goes down, then they start making this run on tackles because everyone's looking for that spot, and then ooh now there's all of a sudden these good corners mm-hmm. who people had as a higher first round draft pick that have now fallen to the late in the first round. So I almost see it playing like that to try to get some value in case teams start making a run on a position on one of those three positions that uh, the Vikings also need. A fascinating and tricky beast, the draft, and we will continue to cover it, but I am getting on a plane to go home. You are going to watch quarterbacks throw footballs, which will be super fun for you, and I can't wait to hear on Monday what you think of the guys who are throwing here at the Combine. So I appreciate all your great work, Sage, and your insider effort um, to get us scoops here on the show. Great work this week. Really enjoyed doing the shows with you. And thank you to all who listen. We'll be back tomorrow. I'll be back in studio in uh, Minnesota. We'll have Matt Harmon on from Yahoo Sports. And uh, we will talk to you then. Coming up next, Mackie and Judd with Rami here on Score North. If you love to travel, you love cool experiences, you are going to love Viator. Viator is the world's leading travel experience marketplace. And for me, Sun Valley skiing is huge on my bucket list. So I just opened the Viator app, searched Sun Valley, and boom, custom ski and boot fittings and tickets delivered right to our condo. Pretty unbelievable. Just download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking. One app, over 300,000 experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.